Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with Him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and tell. What is prayer? Stale tradition? Ritual? A good luck charm? Part of some religious checklist done to appease a higher being so we can get what we want or at least avoid the lightning bolt prayer has been redefined and twisted and confused but at its essence prayer is simply talking to god the god who spoke the universe into creation who gives us life and breath who holds all things together. This God wants us to talk to him. In the vastness of all that exists, he actually cares about us, personally, individually. How can we not pray to such a loving God? Well, I want to Welcome you for the second time to Logos Worship. We're so glad we have this privilege of gathering together to exalt Jesus with one another. If you're new with us today, my name is Danny Panter. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, have the privilege of preaching in this space with you. We would love to know that you were here with us if you're new. You can let us know by going to fbcsa.org slash connect. It's the easiest way to say, hey, I was worshiping with you and it gives us an opportunity to connect with you at a later time. Our mission as a church family is to faithfully follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with him. That's what we want to be about more and more. That's our, our mission. And hopefully you have a sense of that in your own life and you're being challenged by Jesus in your own life to live that out more and more as an individual and as church, as a church family. We are in this series on prayer. We have been for some time. Today, we're in Luke chapter 18, verses one through eight. So in honor of God's word, let's stand and let's read it together. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end so don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? You may be seated. May God bless 
the reading of his word. This text uh, continues to encourage us around certain themes that we've already had in this series. One we touched on last week that we're going to see again today, that we are called to be persistent in our prayer. Uh, Last week, I challenged us that, you know, Jesus wants us to care about the things that God cares about in our prayer life. So when we go to him persistently in prayer, we come to him with the things that that he is really cares about and that he has a purpose for, that our hearts should resonate with the things that God has an affection for and is doing all around us. Today's no different. We're going to look at some of those similar themes. One of the themes in particular really frames this text for us. When we were in Romans chapter 8, I said, for Paul and the Spirit and all creation that was groaning. Remember we, t- we talked about groaning? That they were groaning with great anticipation of the resurrection of the dead. And so for Paul's prayer life and the Spirit's prayer life and our prayer life, it's, it's tethered to what Jesus will be doing when he finishes what he starts. And that's no different here. We find that in this simple story, that it is framed around Jesus's return. We see that in verse eight at the end of this story where he says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly, but when the son of man returns, when he talks about the son of man returning, he's anchoring and framing this simple teaching in this story to his sudden return. We know this is the context because even if we go back to chapter 17, in verse 24, he's answering the questions from the Pharisees who say, tell us when the kingdom's coming. Of course, they're questioning him. And eventually he gets to the place where he talks about his death and resurrection, but he says that the kingdom will come suddenly. In in chapter 17, verse 24, it says this, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. The same little phrase that we have in verse 8 in chapter 18. Jesus' simple teaching on prayer in this story about this persistent widow is framed by Jesus' sudden return. And what is that simple teaching? I love it. I love it when the gospel writers, before they tell a parable or after they tell a parable or whatever, what you find here in verse one is that we have the simple teaching and reason from the story given to us from the very beginning. What is the very clear teaching of this story? Well, it's in verse one. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And when we bear that in mind, that teaching from this story, and we frame it by the return of Jesus, it's framed with this. May we learn... Or may Jesus show us that we should always pray and never give up even to the very end until he returns. 
Jesus' return is always connected to the care for his people, the church, and his eternal concern for justice and restoration. We get a sense of great care here. We have a picture of an unrighteous judge who very explicitly in the story, Jesus says, this judge doesn't care about God and he could care less about people. He only cares about himself. And yet he is able, at least some of the time, to dispense justice. And he gives justice to this woman. But in contrast, Jesus says, God's not like that at all. God cares for his people. He cares for his chosen people. He, he hears them. He hears the cries of his people. He's nothing like that unrighteous judge. He cares. And his return, Jesus' sudden and imminent return that he talks about in chapter 17 is connected to the challenge towards persistent prayer because of the care that he has for his people. He has an internal concern for justice and restoration. We see this and God sees this. Generations of wickedness and evil, hostility and rebellion against God and his kingdom, both individually, corporately, institutionally. It's everywhere. Broken systems everywhere that are, have been born out of this sin and brokenness that we continue to perpetuate and the world continues to perpetuate to no end. His return is connected to his care for real justice against that kind of wickedness. But that's the frame. The call to persistent prayer, to hold on to the very end, is framed by Jesus' imminent and sudden return. The other frame that we see here is also in verse eight. He ends this with a question. So let's just finish the sentence. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Well, what kind of faith? That kind of faith. The kind of faith that always prays and never gives up. That kind of faith that persists even when we see the, the ongoing wickedness in our world and even when we face hardship on our own. How many, Jesus asks, how many would I return will have faith like that? That will keep it up, will be about God's business and will come to him in faithful prayer, trusting that he cares and listens and cares about eternal justice. So for Jesus, according to this verse, faithfulness is tied to prayerfulness. In other words, a faithful person, a faithful church, a faithful people are going to be a kind of people who hold on to the end, never give up by being persistent in prayer. Going to him with things that he cares about. God cares about justice, so we bring issues of justice to him, and we do it faithfully. And what is faithfulness? The author of Hebrews tells us what faithfulness. Faithfulness is the certainty of unthings seen. We can feel like injustice and wickedness is rampant to no end, but by faith, we hold on to the promise that justice is coming when the Son of Man returns. That's what Jesus is saying. You know, you may guess, you may wonder if the unrighteous judge is gonna give you justice, on a good day when he gets annoyed enough, maybe. But let me tell you, 
The son of man, when Christ returns, God, the creator of heavens and the earth, does not get annoyed by the prayers of his people. He will bring justice. That's a guarantee. And we can come to him faithfully, even when we don't see it imminently, we can trust that he will bring justice. And in those moments where we feel like justice is so far away, we pray. Because prayerfulness is a way of ordering our heart in response to the wickedness of the world. It's agreeing with and longing for the holiness and rightness of God's kingdom, right? We, we, we ache for God's holiness and righteousness, so we pray, Lord, make this right. We hate the things that God hates, and we come to him. In some ways, it's kind of like we come to him with our, our grumbling and, and complaining, Right? Lord, I don't like the way things look in our world. They, they rebel against you. They, they hate you. They hate us. Lord, come quickly. When we come to the Lord persistently in prayer like that, it reminds us of God's holiness and righteousness. It orders our hearts. It gives us the right perspective as we live in an evil, broken world. That's why God says, come to me persistently. Now, I don't, I don't grumble and complain often. Yesterday, I spent a lot of day grumbling. And, um, but when I do grumble and complain, y'all want to know where I go? I go to my wife, right? She, she, more than anyone, knows the things that unsettle me. And I go to her with confidence because I know she's for me, and I also know she can let me know what's right and wrong. If, my, if the attitude or perspective of my heart needs, needs nudging a little bit, as I grumble and complain to her, Anna, you won't believe what's happening right now. You won't believe how my heart's feeling in response to this situation. And she can say, yeah, I'm there with you. Gosh, I don't like that either. Or she can say, you know, maybe you should have a different perspective. That's the value of persistent prayer is that when we bump up against suffering and wickedness in our world and we can take our grumbling and complaining to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't like what's happening. I don't like what I'm experiencing. I don't like what I'm seeing. And God can say, yeah, you're absolutely right because my heart's there with you. Or he can say, you might need to have a different perspective. There's value in, pers in, in persistent prayer because it's a way of ordering our heart, making sure it has the right perspective as we live in this world until Jesus returns. The last thing that I think we see that helps frame this simple teaching of Jesus's call, be persistent in prayer, never give up, is that it, Prayerfulness is readiness. Prayerfulness is readiness. Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36, where Jesus returns to this theme from 17 and 18. He says this, watch out. 
Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. He's talking about when the Son of Man returns. Don't be caught off guard. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. He's talking about judgment. He's talking about coming judgment. And so Jesus says in chapter 21 in these verses, I want you to have a readiness about you with the anticipation of my return because when I return, I will bring final judgment and justice over all the earth. Will you be ready and will you pray? We can add to that persistently. For Jesus, persistent prayerfulness is a readiness for his return. It is the anticipation of the fulfillment of God's justice. And there's energy in that kind of prayer, expectation in that kind of prayer. And what we find, according to Jesus, is that readiness and anticipation always results in more prayer, not less. That's really what Jesus is getting at. With the anticipation of justice that's guaranteed, he's nothing like an unrighteous judge. He is a righteous judge and the justice is coming and he hears and cares about his people. You can bank on that. So be persistent in prayer. And that persistence takes on this readiness for Jesus' return, an anticipation for that. And you pray more in that way, not less. In other words, you don't do this well, Jesus is for, for, for sure gonna bring justice. He's coming at some point, even though it still feels so far away. I'm just gonna let him do his thing. And faith is me just banking on that he's coming. That's a good sentiment to say. But Jesus is saying in reality as his people, when, when we have a sense of readiness for Jesus' return and he brings justice, prayer, we don't relax, we get ready. We don't just say, well, he's coming anyway, so prayer doesn't matter. He says you pray more. You pray for strength. You pray for the ordering of your heart. You pray about, the God's, about God's business. So some places that I've seen this type of readiness take shape to where you communicate more or pray more when you feel like something's imminent uh, the first way that this has taken shape in my own life is when I've had the privilege of traveling and I'm gone for two or three weeks at a time. Now, I, I stay in connection with my family as I'm gone. You know, two or three texts a day, maybe a phone call every other day. But when I'm on my way home, the amount of communication always ratchets up. Even the days leading up, it's like they send me a text or I'm, I can't wait to get home. Man, it's just, it's just a day and a half and I'll be home. I can't wait for us to get to do this together, right? The, the, the amount of anticipation increases and because of the anticipation, communication increases. I wanna be more in tune with the joy and gladness and excitement about my return and that expresses itself in connecting with my family. Jesus is saying the same thing. Persistence comes from the sense of anticipation that Jesus is returning, 
Yeah, and a part of that is the anticipation of judgment over all the earth. And he's gonna be the king to rule over everything. But also it's the anticipation of seeing the glory of God in his fullness. Communication increases, prayerfulness increases with that kind of ready heart. We also see it on the battlefield, or you have a battalion that's moving into theater. They're approaching the battlefield. Communication doesn't decrease. Communication increases. Communications is vital to stay in tune with what the commander wants them to do and where they need to go. Are we on the right path? These are the needs that we have. Y'all seen all those classic war movies where they have the big old, you know, device, you know, it's ginormous where they can stay in touch? That's because communication is absolutely essential when the battlefield is imminent or when you're in the thick of it. Jesus is saying the same thing. You You don't retreat in your prayer life when you know Jesus is coming soon, it ratchets up. Get on the same page. Make sure you're headed in the right direction. Pray for strength. And then, of course, we have the ultimate example in Jesus' crucifixion. When he was approaching the cross, I mean, he knew what was coming and he knew what the result was. He didn't go, I don't need to pray. No, he, he went to his heavenly Father that night before he was betrayed, prayed all night. And although his flesh was weak, he prayed all night long. Listen, when we anticipate the imminent, when we have that perspective, when there's that kind of readiness, prayerfulness increases. It doesn't retreat. That's what Jesus is trying to say. Be like that. Be persistent in your prayer life. Never give up because the son of man is returning. Be on the same page with him. May your heart beat as his beats. Church, not just individuals. May the church's heart beat in line with the kingdom of God. May we be about what he's doing. May we share his concerns and cares and we move in that direction through persistent prayer. So this story is not about getting what we want if we annoy Jesus enough. It's not what this story is about. Jesus wants to hear the cares that we have of the world. We get that in the model prayer. He wants to hear our daily needs, but this kind of praying is different. The point of this story is that God is nothing like the unrighteous judge. Where the unrighteous judge doesn't care, God cares. When the unrighteous judge only responds because he's annoyed, God responds because he loves and has chosen his people and he cares about justice. This story challenges us to believe that to the very end, to the moment that Jesus returns. Will we be ready for Jesus' return? How would your prayer life change if you knew Jesus was coming back next week? How would your life change? That's what Jesus is getting at. My return is sudden. People will be out shopping. It'll happen. Like lightning in the sky. Will your hearts be persistent and faithful, ready prayer? Convicts me. 
Will we resonate with and long for God's kingdom to come? There's this picture in Revelation, Roman, uh, Revelation chapter six, verses nine through 11. And John is witnessing this and he hears the cries of the martyrs underneath the altar, the souls of the martyrs. And what are they crying out for? These, these are martyrs. These are people who have already been, they have, they have, they're dead in Christ. And their souls, even then, are crying out to the Lord. Lord, when will justice come? Praying to the very end, to Jesus' return, will we be the same? I have some suggestions for you. How do we learn to pray like that? None of us are wired just to pray that way. We've got so much stuff going on. Calendars chock full. We have our own stuff that we're dealing with, own suffering, own struggles. I mean, it's so hard to keep the kingdom of God right here. How, how do we do that? How do we move and shape our life into greater persistence? I just have suggestions. I am not an expert on this. I'm still learning at 46 years old what it means to faithfully pray and persistently pray. But here's some suggestions. If you wanna grow into a faithful, persistent prayer, can I encourage you to pray with your Bible open? Around the room for the past several weeks, we've put in, put in scripture on the table. Obviously, you don't need a card. You have a, you have a Bible at home, but would you pray through the scriptures as a prompting to pray in accordance to the will of God and the kingdom of God? You know, this is Matthew 6, 31 through 34. Don't worry about these sayings, saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Lord, help me seek the kingdom of God above all else. The second suggestion I have is use a prayer journal. I just, I'm just trying this, folks. Some of you have been doing this for years. And, and so uh, last week, um, I, st- I've only, I only have two entries, by the way. I started last week. Um, but I've used the, the Lord's model prayer about the kingdom, praying for daily needs, praying for my relationship with others, sin, have I sinned against them, so forth. And I'll use that kind of basic outline, okay? How am I praying for the kingdom? Lord, center my heart on what you're doing in the world May my ministry, may my family, may my whatever, all my endeavors be about your kingdom, whatever. But maybe journaling, give that a shot. It can be simple, just to, uh, journaling and writing helps you to kind of focus what you're thinking and how you're praying. The last one, we, we, we don't do well at all, and that's pray with friends. We struggle enough as it is to pray with family. Um, but f- Find a group of believers to not just talk about the scriptures, and that's valuable, not just to read the scriptures and not just do Bible study, but spend time praying together about the kingdom. Those are my suggestions. God has called us to persistent and faithful prayer because his son is bringing justice. The ultimate way that we know that God cares about justice You want to know what it is? Jesus. We can have the kind of certainty that God cares about justice because his son died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. 
Jesus became the justifier, our justifier, the one who stood in our place. God went to great lengths to ensure justice would happen and that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And if that's true, we can also trust if God is so serious about justice that he would send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, we can be just as certain that he will finish what he started and bring justice when his son, the king, returns. 